Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. If you're online, give me a thumbs up online. I'm following you. I'm joining with you on, uh, on YouTube. If you're in the room, wave at me. Woo! It's so good to see. You know, it's so encouraging. It's so exciting. Just all the things that God is doing. Just this morning at the 9.30 at Gastry St. Luke's, we had a big worship for everyone. And we've just begun worshiping there at 9.30. And it was packed. As I was leaving, people were having to get more chairs out for people coming in. We've been inviting loads of the community to come, loads who are there for stay and play during the week. And so that building is being filled with people gathering to worship and gathering to hear about Jesus Christ. That's exciting. But also on Thursday night, we had our first Gas Street South Explore and about 45 people gathered here to worship and pray together. We know that there are more who wanted to join this adventure and it felt like a significant step into this adventure of being light for the city. But, but also just in this moment, I'd love to honour uh, Janet and Mari. Can you just stand up? We, we've been so blessed over the last little while. You can't see them online, I'm afraid, but they're a beautiful community. At some point, we're going to properly tell the story, but these guys uh, are like the the mothers of this Iranian and Afghan community that have joined us. For years, they've been meeting and praying and discipling and loving and caring and mothering this community. And a few of them wanted me just to get you up to honour you because they're so grateful for you. And what God's done in and through you has been remarkable. And we as a church, I've said it before, I don't apologize for saying it again. We are so excited, encouraged, and blessed by this community joining us. So excited for what God is going to do. So can we just honor these guys for their faith, their love, and their commitment? Awesome. Thank you. Well, etched deep into human consciousness is this idea of good versus evil. Books, stories, films have captivated humanity over the years with this struggle of good people standing up against an evil enemy. Think Star Wars, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and a group of friends stand up against the protagonist, Voldemort. Think about Batman versus the Joker, Superman versus Lex Luthor. Think about Simba versus Scar in The Lion King. If we want to think about good versus evil in rugby, think of England versus Australia. (laughs) Any Australians in the house? Yes. In terms of football, good versus evil, I'm an Evertonian. So think of Everton versus Liverpool. And in a moment, we're going to pray for Liverpool Reds to be set free from the darkness that entangles you. We understand the concept of light versus darkness. And as we carry on this series, Jesus over everything, this morning there is some good news and some bad news. And I'm going to start with the bad news. My wife always tells me that I'm a pessimist. So the bad news is this. There is an enemy, an evil one, Satan, who wants to come and do everything 
to destroy, to cause havoc, to damage. An enemy who so despises everything about the goodness of God, everything about the people of God, that he does everything he can to stand in the way of God's people. It says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is bad news. But the good news is this. Jesus Christ has overcome the powers of evil. Jesus holds all authority and we as the people of Christ hold authority. We do not need to be afraid. We can be confident that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. In Colossians 1.13 we are told, For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in to the kingdom of God the Son of God whom he loves. We are on the winning team. As an Everton fan, that concept of being on the winning team is so beautiful. We are a victorious people. That is good news. We're looking at Mark's gospel. And we see early on in this gospel, just after Jesus has been baptized, And then as Tebo was reminding us last week, as Jesus calls his disciples, first disciples, to come and follow him. Immediately after that, Jesus is teaching in a synagogue and he casts out a demon. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark 1, starting at verses 21. It's going to come up on the screen, but you might want to follow it as well. Mark 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Just say with me, authority. Hold that word. Not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with, say with me, authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So Jesus is teaching, amazing teaching that is inspiring and blowing people away. And suddenly this man with an evil spirit begins shouting out. And we see this numerous times in the Gospels where Jesus goes, suddenly uh, evil spirits, demonic forces come against him. Literally wherever he goes at times it seems like all of hell breaks loose. And time and time again he would cast demons out. People who were afflicted, he'd set them free. And few today would struggle with the concept of evil and darkness. But we need to understand that the New Testament teaches that just as behind goodness is God himself, behind evil is Satan. I was reading about the Rwanda, the genocide in the mid-90s, a bitter conflict broke out between the uh, Tutsis and the Hutus. And many were slaughtered. 
by armed militia. Nearly a million uh, Tutsis were killed. And it's one of the darkest chapters of planet Earth's history. And one of the uh, main UN peacekeeping people was uh, Lieutenant General Romeo Delier. And he was there whilst this horror was taking place. He was trying to bring peace, but it was just overwhelming. And he said this, I know there is a God because in Rwanda I shook hands with the devil. I've seen him, I've smelled him, I've touched him. I know the devil exists and therefore I know that there's a God. Some of us have been confronted with such real darkness that the idea of the devil doesn't spook us, doesn't surprise us. And we we see the impact of evil all around us. Just on Friday, seeing the murder, the horrific murder of Sir David Ames and just the devastation of that. And we we need to be praying for, for his family at this awful, awful time. We see evil in the vicious advance of the Taliban in Afghanistan and all that's happened there. We're confronted with evil in the senseless abuse of innocent, beautiful children. It just it shocks us, horrifies us. In the recent murders of Sarah Everidge, Sabina Nessa, we, we just know that evil prevails still today. And often behind these awful incidents, we need to understand that there is an evil presence trying to corrupt, destroy, and cause damage. The rape and murder of Sarah Everett, the killing of Sabine and Nessa has rightly awakened an outrage and an anger in our society about the treatment of women. The realization that for millennia, women have been oppressed and held back. And I'm aware, because I've spoken to many and some of you have emailed in, that probably most women in this room at some point in their life would have experienced sexual harassment would have been belittled, would have been mistreated, and would have been diminished by men. And I, and I want to stand here as a man, as a pastor, and say to the women in this church that I am so sorry where we of men have objectified you and fulfilled our own sexual lustful desires at the expense of you. I'm so sorry where we've stood by and we've tolerated sexist behaviour. I'm so sorry that fewer opportunities have come your way. I'm sorry in the church where we've put glass ceilings over women and what God can do in and through women as leaders, as disciples. And as we grapple with the states of our world, of our society, where women are abused and raped, harassed and tragically murdered, we need to understand that the enemy has got in and systemically over multiple generations wreaked havoc. In a similar way with racism, there are dark forces that have led to the oppression of people purely based on the color of their skin. You know, God created humankind, man and woman. He made them in his image. We are image bearers made in the likeness of God. And yet, because of the selfishness, the greed of some, we have pushed people down. Because of the color of their skin, we've mistreated them and abused them and gained and profited at their expense. We need to understand these huge issues of misogyny and racism 
are deeply spiritual. You know, yes, we need to engage practically. What can we do? What are steps forward? Yes, we need to ensure that laws are upheld, that people are held to account for their wrong choices. We need to educate so that people can be enlightened to understand, recognize the blind spots in them. But we must understand that the only hope, the only way forward, the only way we're going to see men and women living in harmony, women being raised up, uh, people of different ethnicities gathering together and worshiping and loving and championing one another, the only way that is going to happen is through the person of Jesus Christ and His Spirit at work within us. Ronnie said it perfectly. We, we mustn't first and foremost look to the world on these issues. We need to look to Jesus and we need to allow him to transform us and to change us. And that is why the church has to lead the way. The church has to lead the way, not other political, sociological movements on planet Earth. There is an enemy that has a stranglehold over people. Jesus tells us in John 10 verse 10 that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, we're reminded the desire of the evil one. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Satan is known as the accuser, a liar, and the father of all lies. What does he do? He comes and he sows seeds of doubt and confusion that begin to question our identity, what God can do through us. Is it any surprise that we are living in a world that is completely and utterly confused? Do you not find yourself listening to the news, listening to podcasts, listening to people, reading stuff in the papers, and you think, that is utter rubbish. How can everyone be believing this stuff? That makes no logic sense. And the enemy is causing confusion. And the tragedy is the church is getting caught up in it. That is why I believe this book is so important. And people are beginning to question, is this book just poetry? Is it just nice literature? Is it the authoritative word of God? If this isn't the authoritative word of God, we are stuffed. We have to believe this is the Word of God. Our lives have to be anchored on Him and on the words that God teaches us in this book because otherwise we're a ship at sea with no anchor, no hope. The enemy comes to keep, his, to keep God's people from walking in freedom and authority, to diminish, to hold us back in chains of addiction. He distracts us from the goodness of God. We're consumed with what we don't have, with the pain around us, and we forget what we do have, where we've been so blessed. And another scheme of the enemy is to minimize his impact all around us. And I know this is heavy, but we're preaching on Mark's gospel, and I can't, I can't um, deny the text. And I think this is so significant for us. One of the things we see today is a fascination in the supernatural. So many people dabbling with spiritual things, flirting with the occult, witchcraft, spiritualism, palm reading, Ouija boards, channeling, consulting the dead, astrology, horoscopes, and we fail. We fail to understand how dangerous these things are. We fail to understand the way that the enemy can use these as a foothold to wreak havoc. And I know in this room, some here would have engaged with some of these things. And the impact can be serious. Severe mood swings, 
suicidal thoughts, night terrors, paranoia, strange things going on all around us. And you need to know at the end of this gathering, we're going to pray for you. And I promise you this, you can be set free. Because if you repent and if you receive Jesus Christ, then darkness has to flee. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And so there's hope. I remember when Rachel and I were in London, we were running this alpha group, beautiful guy in the group. Uh, we journeyed with him and he wanted to become a Christian and we're at the Alpha weekend and we prayed for him to be filled with the Spirit. And as we invited the Spirit to come, the only way I can describe it was like this standoff began to happen. This wrestle began to happen. This guy's voice began to change. He, he began to get really agitated. He was dry, retching. He was sweating. He was, he was just uh, not himself, like nothing we'd ever seen before. And we began to talk and we began to pray. And after a while, he began to confess to being engaged with some very dark pornography, to visiting prostitutes. He, he spoke about at times he'd be walking over a bridge and he'd hear voices in his head saying, throw yourself off, throw yourself off. And we, we went through a little process of repentance. And then we prayed, well, we cast out any dark demonic force. And then we prayed for the Spirit of God to come. And he came, he came and he brought peace. And he brought freedom. And it's a stunning, life-changing moment. C.S. Lewis, his brilliant book, Screwtape Letters, says this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. You know, we're not to dismiss or underestimate the power of evil. But we mustn't live in fear over him. We can be confident because Christ has overcome the evil one. So we're returning to our story. Mark 1, Jesus teaching. And this man cries out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Know that the demon speaks in the plural. What do you want with us? Commentators would say that here the demon is speaking on behalf of the whole of the threatened fraternity of darkness. And in this deliverance, as Jesus casts out the demon, it's, it's a signpost, it's a reminder that Jesus has power over all the forces of evil, of Satan. And he says, have you come to destroy us? And the answer is this, oh yes, you better believe it. He has come to destroy it, to destroy you. It's fascinating as well that these demons, they, they recognize exactly who Jesus is. You're the Holy One of God. The disciples don't have a clue. <laughs> They're all over the show. It's not until halfway through the book of Mark that Peter finally gets a little inkling that Jesus is the Messiah. But right at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, the demons know exactly who Jesus is. There's no doubt in their mind that he is the Holy One of God. They know exactly what he's come to do to overthrow dark forces in the world. And they're terrified. He can feel the terror and the agitation. They knew that Christ was coming to bind the strong man, to bind the power of Satan. And we see ultimately at the cross, Jesus conquers not only death, but he conquers the power of the evil one. 
as Jesus breathed his first, last breath, crucified on that cross, all of hell began rejoicing. They began thinking, we've done it. We've defeated God. We've killed off his son. Everything is over. We have won. We've triumphed. But... On Easter Sunday, as the resurrected Jesus rose and came out of that tomb, darkness fled in fear. They knew their number was up. And Jesus came with power and authority. And he says as his people, you now carry my power and authority to go and to cast out demons, to heal the sick and to proclaim the goodness of God. Satan may proud like a lion looking to devour. But in Revelation 5, we see this, that there is a lion of Judah who rules and reigns. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's triumphed. He has triumphed. And I love the way Jesus deals with this situation. With quiet, firm, stern authority, he says, be quiet, come out of him. No show, no shouting and screaming, no band, no keyboard to create the moment. Just one word out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Growing up, if my mother ever gave me a look or had one or two quiet words, that's when you really freaked out. That's when you knew you were really in trouble. If you have authority... You don't need to shout and scream. If you have authority, you don't need to shout and scream. No need for hype. And the people are are, are stunned by Jesus' teaching. They've never heard teaching like this. They've heard many, many rabbis. Listen to all the podcasts at the time. But they'd never heard teaching like this. But what blew them away even more was, it wasn't just words. It was authority, a demonstration of God's kingdom, God's power. Not meaningless theory, but actually what Jesus would say, he would then demonstrate physically. He'd talk about being the one who has overcome evil, and then he'd cast out demons. He'd talk about being a God of love and goodness, and then he'd heal the sick. He'd talk about coming to reach the lost and the sick, and then he would go and spend time with those that the world had pushed to the margins and draw them in. Jesus has authority. We see it just two chapters later in Mark 4. Where Jesus calms the storm. Many of the disciples were fishermen. They knew exactly how to navigate treacherous weather. But the storm on the Lake of Galilee was so severe that they thought they were going to die. They were terrified. And Jesus is asleep. He's very relaxed. He eventually gets up with one quiet little word. He says, quiet, be still. And the storm, the waves, obey. The consensus among ancient culture was that the storms and the sea was uncontrollable by any other power than God. Only God had power over the seas. And throughout that time, again, the seas represented darkness and evil, something that was overwhelming. And so when Jesus on the boat just says, wind, waves, be still, and they obey, understandably, The disciples, these Jewish men were like, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus has power and authority over evil. And here's the crazy and amazing thing about this. Is he chooses 
to place that authority and that power on us. He calls us to live lives that step into and outwork the authority that he has. Mark 3 verse 14, we read that Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. In John's gospel, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus says, you're going to heal the sick. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to do the very things that I did. You can calm storms in people's lives. In fact, you'll do even greater things. That blows my mind. But are we walking in the authority that God has given us? A friend of mine, a number of years ago, took a funeral for this lady. And she was in London and she lived on the streets. And she would walk around with a, like a trolley, Sainsbury's trolley. And she'd have all these plastic bags and she'd collect and she'd fill up these plastic bags with different items. To most people it appeared like rubbish, but they had meaning to her. She was known to be very rude and aggressive. And when she died at the funeral my friend was taken... It became apparent that actually this woman was incredibly wealthy. She'd inherited millions of pounds. She actually owned a flat in London. She owned some very valuable pieces of art. And yet she chose to live on the streets in poverty and pain. And it's a confusing and a tragic and a disturbing story. But so many in the church, so many followers of Jesus Christ, we do exactly the same. We live in spiritual poverty, failing to live in the authority and the riches that God has given us. God has called us. God has empowered us We are chosen co-heirs with Christ. We are inheritors of the kingdom of God. We carry the presence of Jesus Christ wherever we go. We are, as Jesus said, the light of the world. We've been given the keys to the kingdom. And so why do we hold back, shy away, tiptoe around some of these things rather than taking the authority we have in Jesus? That's why it's so important. My prayer for this morning is that God would begin to release us into the authority we have. God would open our eyes where we've been blinded. God would open our eyes to understand, oh my goodness, God, you can use me. You've called me to you, not just to quickly sort of rescue me up to heaven. You've called me to be an agent of change. You've called me to bring in the love of Christ in my workplace, in my family. You've called me to pray for the sick, to bring in healing and hope. You've called me to be someone who's bold, who could stand up against evil and darkness, who won't be afraid of it because we know that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And so it's time for us to cultivate expectancy. One of our values as a church is that we'd be expectant. Believing God can do the impossible. Let those not just be words, but let us begin to step out in them. I'm trying to cultivate a greater sense of authority and expectancy in my life that actually God can use me. 
last week, Rachel and I had two nights away, just on our own, uh, just to enjoy being together. It was amazing. And we're in the Cotswold, and we treated ourselves to a massage. And we had this like spa, and I was having the massage, lying down, this lady begins to dig into my shoulders. And as she's digging in, she says to me, what do you do? And like, for me, a golden rule of massage is no one talks to you during a massage. It's the most, it's a little bit awkward anyway, isn't it? You're there, like, just your pants and, you know, um, I don't want to talk to you. And so what I did, I, I know exactly what I'll do. I will say something that wherever I go always seems to end conversation. What do you do? say, well, I'm a vicar in the Church of England. She replies, oh, I've already massaged three other vicars this week. <laughs> Make of that what you will. It's a stressful job. And so I'm thinking, now I can either just be quiet or I can begin to step in to the authority I have. Three vicars in a week, I say, I think God wants to speak to you. I think God wants to get your attention. At the end, I'm going to pray for you. And then I shut up so she can shut up and massage me. And then at the end, I stand up. It's awkward. I'm there. There, was, there, there were Calvin Kleins. There were Calvin Kleins. Okay, so there was a, some respectability. I, I might not have looked like Justin Bieber or David Beckham. But anyway, I put my hand on her shoulder. And I just begin to pray. I just begin to pray, God, would you come by your spirit? Would you bring your peace? She said that she wanted peace. She was anxious. She's worried about her mum. And I just began to pray into those things. And she just began streaming, eyes pouring with tears. And the spirit of God fell. Now, I'd love to say I prayed for her to become a Christian. I didn't. But in that moment, she experienced a touch of heaven. She experienced something of Jesus' love and kindness and gentleness. There are so many people in your orbit, in your world, who are desperate. And you carry the hope of the world. When you step into your office place, the hope of the world, the light of Christ, the one who can transform any situation steps in with you. I, I, I want us just to learn. I, I'm trying to do this. If I meet anyone who I ask, how are you doing? Oh, I'm a bit sick actually. I'm struggling with this. Dodgy knee, dodgy back. Whatever. I'm going to pray for you. I've been doing that. I've been now, I'll be honest, I haven't seen anyone healed yet. And that frustrates me. And I'm in a wrestle with God over that at the moment. But actually, I'm just going to keep praying. If someone's sick, I'm going to keep praying. Please join me in that. It's really easy. Non-Christian, you know, can I just quickly pray for you? Boom, done. What happens is up to God. You know, if your friends come to you anxious, overwhelmed, pray for the peace that passes all understanding to grab their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. People come to you lost and confused, a difficult situation. Pray that God would give you insight, kingdom solutions. We are partners with Christ in the kingdom of God. And it is time, it is time, it is time for us to step up, to stand up and to walk in the authority we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. What we're going to do...
is I want to do a few things. We've got some time. Firstly, I want to give an opportunity. Actually, let's stand. And let's get the, the team, the worship team, if you could come up. I'm going to give anyone an opportunity, and whether you're online as well, join me. If you don't yet know Jesus Christ as Savior, if you know that you're kind of living in darkness, as it were, there's an opportunity and a moment for you to step into the light, to experience the love of God. And I'm going to invite anyone for the first time that you want to say yes to following Jesus. This is if you're not already a practicing Christian, first time you want to say yes to following Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer together. And then at the end, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to invite you to put your hand up. But this is an opportunity to say, Jesus, thank you for all that you accomplished on the cross for me. And I say yes to following you. So thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Just say it quietly in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you know me and love me completely. I know that I've made mistakes, and now I ask for your total forgiveness. Just take a moment just to repent those things that you know you've done wrong, that you feel shame about. Bring them before God. I turn away from everything I know is wrong. Today, I choose to put my faith in you and say yes to following you. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit now. Amen. Now, with everyone's eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, saying yes to following Jesus Christ, can you just quickly raise a hand up? I'm not going to call you to the front, but I just want to catch eyes with you so that I know and you know that you've made this prayer and that you can be confident that you have experienced salvation. So if you've prayed that prayer, just raise a hand now. Right up high so I can see you. Just, we can be accountable. No one put their hands up? That's okay. Oh, someone has put their hand up. Okay, amazing, mate. Well done. Do it. We never want to be this church where you kind of, yep, 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 yep. Oh, 20 hands, and in fact, there were none. <laughs> if no one puts their hands up, great. If one person puts their hands up, amazing. Last week, throughout the Sunday, 33 people put their hands up, which is incredible. But bless you, my friend. We're going to pray with you. Talk to your friends that you came with. But the other thing, and this is, uh, I think, a really important moment here for a bunch of people. This is a moment where you can experience freedom. And the way we're going to do this, we're just going to sing a refrain. What key are you in? B. I prefer C, but anyway. Um, so you're just going to sing a song, and then I'm going to invite you to come forward. Now, a whole bunch of you, you're going to feel terrified at coming forward. Because there's an enemy that wants to keep you held back in darkness, held back in the chains. And God can only do what you're willing to open up your heart for him to do. 
And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do a brave thing. I'm going to ask you to come to the front and we're going to pray with you. There's a team that's going to pray with you. They're not going to put a hand on you because of COVID. But they're going to stand with you and we're going to pray that you might experience the spirit of the living God falling afresh on you. That any fears you might have about things you've done in the past, any night terrors, suicidal thoughts, paranoia, things going on in your world, that they can be broken off you now. And so we're just going to sing this refrain just to remind ourselves it's all about Jesus. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore him Christ the Lord for he alone is worthy for he alone is worthy for he alone is worthy for he We'll give you all the glory. Last time, let's sing it. We'll give you Okay, so if you want to come and experience the light of Christ, if you want to come and find freedom, if you want to come and experience the Holy Spirit, just come now, wherever you are, come forward. Push your way forward. If you're in the middle of an aisle, elbow someone, they have to forgive you because they're Christians. Walk on the chairs, I don't care, but just come here. Don't live in slavery anymore. Just come out, just everyone come out. And if the team can just begin to come and stand with them. Just as people are coming, I want to invite uh, Ben, who, who's a friend and someone I trust, and uh, hears God at different times. Uh, so last week I saw a ring of angels around the stage basically waiting to break people's chains. And uh, a lot of this has been about release and freedom. Um, and I really feel like they're just waiting here for you. So come and get your chains broken, because then you'll be released. And there's also another ring of angels all the way around the building, making you safe, protecting you. Um, and there's a great party in heaven just with this release that's going on. So come. Amazing. That's just so encouraging that God is here. So. Lord, I pray now for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray. And, and you might want to just repent. Lord, we're sorry for where we have given Satan a foothold. Maybe, maybe you've dabbled with something dark. Maybe you've opened up your heart through pornography, through greed, through unforgiveness. And the enemy's got a foothold. You, you, you need to say sorry. 
you need to repent. Some of it may be that there's ancestral things in your family, ancestral strongholds. And so, Lord Jesus, we repent and we claim the blood of Jesus over us, over our families, over our minds. And now I pray that you would come by your Spirit. Come by your Spirit. Come by your Spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus, any work of the enemy, any scheme of hell, any demonic force that is holding you in chains of captivity, I break it in the name of Jesus. I break it in the name of Jesus. For the rest of us, let's just keep quietly worshipping. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us afresh. And as people are being prayed for, as things are being broken, some of you, I think, you were abused at a young age and the trauma of that is holding you back. And I believe God wants to set you free. If that's you, you might want to just come forward. That where you were abused, it's kind of rewritten your life. But actually God can work within that story to bring about hope and joy and life. Now we're going to, final thing, and then we're going to go worship, pick up children. I want to, anyone here, you want to walk this week in the authority of Christ. If you want to be more bold in outworking the things of God, can you just raise your hands high to heaven? Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd awaken us. Lord, you've not just saved us from something. You've saved us for something to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, to bring your light. And Lord, I pray that wherever we step this week, that we will carry your hope, your goodness, your joy, your beauty, your mercy. Lord, I pray that we begin to see signs of healings. Lord, amazing inspired ideas in education, in finance, in the NHS. Pray for like wisdom over people where there seems to be a blockage in someone's life. Like, this is what you need. This is your next step, Lord. Give us kingdom solutions for the sake of this city and beyond. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, we've prayed for you. We've commissioned you. You've got to do it. Pray for someone and let us know how it goes. We're going to go and pick up kids. If you've got a kid, please pick them up. Don't leave them here in lost property. Uh, Go grab them. The rest of us, we're just going to worship. And if you're at the front, just take a bit more time to pray for the Spirit of God to set you free. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.